Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, there is so much to talk about today. And a lot of it's stuff that you guys are going to hear about. Um, I, I had a chance to talk to uh, Mikhail Onu about what happened to his leg, which is um, an interesting story. It was nice catching up with Mikhail because obviously I hadn't seen him since the end of the season, but I had a chance to talk with him for... 30 40 minutes probably um yeah so we'll definitely dig into that uh talk to tad boyle he, he actually said today that he made a couple of mistakes uh in the oregon state game which i mean i think we all agree we all watch uh what happened at the end of the oregon state game and say yeah there are things he should have done differently but you know sometimes sometimes coaches don't admit that to um the media uh Tad, on the other hand, keeps it 100 all the time, um, whether he's calling out players, whether he's uh, calling out himself, because that's the only way that that whole thing works. So we're going to dig into that as well. Um, And uh, maybe most importantly, yeah, I think most importantly, uh, the premiere of The Bachelor was last night, and it was incredible. Um, I actually had to like finish it today because I was doing stuff and I just like wrapped that up a half hour ago and I uh, we actually have a, a, a chat like six of us at DNVR to uh, talk about The Bachelor and I got all of my Bachelor takes out into that chat before this so that you guys wouldn't have to hear them but oh just incredible TV. Um <sighs> Uh, it's it's incredible TV. If you aren't watching The Bachelor, you've got to be watching The Bachelor. I started like a year ago. Actually, no, only in like May. And I am so hooked. The the drama, the... Uh, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, definitely tune in. Basically, okay. And if you don't know about The Bachelor, here's the premise. You take one guy, like I, I think he's like 27-ish probably... And like 30 girls put him in a mansion and then he like slowly narrows it down and then gets engaged to one of them. And uh, he like goes on group dates with all of them. He goes on individual dates and that kind of stuff. And he just kind of figures out which one fits him the best. And uh, throughout the way, there's like so much drama. Like the girls will start fighting with each other. The premiere was incredible. Such a good TV show. Um, you guys need to check it out. And then when it's over, they'll pick one of the girls who didn't win um, and make her the Bachelorette. And then uh, 
it's the whole same thing except like 30 guys and her and then uh, after that then uh there's like bachelor in paradise where they take like 20 guys and 20 girls and do some other things as well and uh then let them all find love with each other and that loops back around to the bachelor and it just goes all year and it is my favorite and we were without it for a couple of months and i struggled honestly i struggled um as i've said before my uh dream is to be the bachelor i think that that would be an incredible time i hope you guys are all watching i'm gonna try not to talk about the bachelor too much on this podcast but it's it's just so good it's so good um Oh, before we get into sports, though, let me tell you about drift car sharing. Drift car sharing is basically Uber. No, that's confusing. Um, it's like Uber Eats, but for your car. And, and it doesn't it isn't actually super expensive. So it's kind of the opposite as well. Um, bad comparison. Great service. Essentially, you park your car in their lot at the airport and they rent your car out, and then uh, you get some of the money. So instead of paying for parking, you get money. Even if they don't rent your car out, uh, you still get free parking in a clean car. So a steal. Um, your car is insured, so you don't have to worry about that. There's no reason not to. Go to drivedrift.com, and you can tune in. Or tune in. No, that's what you do to the podcast, not to do that. Whew. Okay. Um, let's start with some basketball talk. Um, had a good time watching basketball, uh, talked to Tad, like I said, uh, talked to McKinley Wright, got to talk to Ken. There's always something interesting going on with him. And, uh, also talked to Keyshawn Bartholomew and I'm going to have a story up on him later today. So hopefully you guys can check that out. Um, a whole bunch of different stuff. I think one of my favorite parts of today was talking to Ken, who wasn't all that talkative today, actually. He was a little bit quiet, didn't have too much to say. And I, you know, I think things might be a little bit tense around the program, as you'd expect after a loss like the loss they had. Um, not like bad tense, but, you know, you knows the grindstone. You can't you lose to Utah this weekend and all of a sudden you're in big trouble. Um, and so, you know, everybody's kind of pretty serious. They're trying to do their thing. Um, as soon as I started talking about, uh, Keyshawn, he started to open up a little bit more. And, uh, basically he said he's, he's really good. He's a really smart basketball player. He's probably pretty close to ready to play. All he needs to do is add about 10 pounds. And, uh, Kin said, you know, he he was like 150, whatever. Uh, he knew the number, and then he said now he's 172, and he's got to get up to about 185 before he's ready to go against these Pac-12 guys. And so after hearing him actually, like, know the different weights that Keyshawn has been, um, I went to Keyshawn. I was like, hey, Keyshawn, how much do you weigh? And he was like, huh, this is a weird way for us to meet. Um, he didn't say it. He gave me that look, though, that made it clear that's what he was thinking um we get along great by the way he doesn't think i'm weird not like the first time i talked to visca and nate landman that was something else um but yeah Keyshawn said uh i'm i'm about 170 i was like oh yeah well kid said you're like 172 
And he was like, oh, yeah, I was 172 a couple days ago, but I just weighed myself this morning. I dropped those two pounds. So it's interesting to me that Ken is so tuned in to that, you know. Um, that's what you want from a point guard, somebody who is in total control, has all sorts of different knowledge about everything that's going on. A um, bunch of other interesting stuff I learned, but just in case some of you guys are not members of DNVR, you don't get to uh, hear that. And I feel really bad, but it's, this is a business, remember. Um, okay, uh, into what Tad had to say, and there was a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, I think he, he he said that there's a few things that have been kind of frustrating. Um, he said that he's been second-guessing some of his decisions um, late in the game against Oregon State. Um, and again, like that's the kind of stuff that keeps him up thinking like should that be different uh one of them one that we've talked about uh at length and i think we've also written about on the website is his decision to not call a timeout um when oregon state began to make that 24-5 run i can't remember what exactly the score was when tad finally called a timeout to get things adjusted but um he said today without being prompted you know he was talking about something else and said you know i think i made a couple mistakes uh Pat Rooney from uh, the uh, Daily Camera asked him, uh, what were those mistakes? And he opened up. And again, (laughs) good on Pat asking the question. There was a chance he was going to not get an answer to that one. Again, Tad, very open. He doesn't hide things. Um, I really do think that that's one of his strengths as a coach. He's just totally straight up. And because he never hides it with anybody, he gets away with it. Um, nobody feels like they're being ragged on because that's just how he is. And he'll tell you if things are great. He'll tell you if things aren't working. Um, you know, it's, it's good. Same, very similar to Mel in that regard. Um, Mel might be a little bit more political in the way he approaches the media. Um, and again, I mean, part of that is if, if you look at the attention the football program gets, um, it's, uh, it's quite a bit. Uh, especially compared to the basketball program. And I don't know that this is playing into anybody's decisions, but if you make your environment open to the media, um, then you're going to get a lot more attention. And the basketball program needs that more than the football program. So they have the open practices. They, uh, they have a coach who answers every question extremely honestly. Um, maybe that's why, maybe it isn't, but it would kind of make sense. Again, speculation. Don't want to put other people's motives on them without knowing for sure, without asking them first. But um, again, that's something that I really appreciate. And so he was also pretty harsh on himself saying he should have called that timeout. Um, he said maybe it should have been a possession earlier. And yeah, I, I think that we would all agree, especially in hindsight. You know, right now, knowing that they lost that basketball game, you could say, yeah, you might as well have just thrown me out there at the two and bring Shane off the get bench and you probably lose by even more but you already know for sure that the way you did it is a loss might as well see if something else tried because that's the way hindsight works um so yeah he he agrees there it sounds like and again he said he second guessed it he didn't necessarily say I made the wrong decision but you know that's interesting to see him just own up to that um the second decision that he mentioned that he thinks he may have 
made a mistake with um, was the way he defended uh, Trace Tinkle down the stretch. Um, he uh, he put uh, Deshaun Schwartz on uh, Trace. Trace played quite a bit better in those last couple minutes after being held to very little for most of the game. Um, and today, Tad said, in hindsight, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and it probably should have been Tyler Bay who's guarding Deshaun just because, you know, he's probably your best defender. Um, you know, I, I think McKinley's probably your best defender, but your best defender who matches up with a six foot eight forward. Um, so, so yeah, those, those are kind of the two that he pointed at. I uh, had some other interesting thoughts on various things. Um, around the Pac-12, there were eight teams, I believe, who had one-in-one weekends. Uh, and I can't remember who asked, but it was kind of framed in a way that was like, you know, does that make this whole thing a little bit better? And what Tad said was, you know, that's that's good for the teams who are on the road. That's bad for the teams who are at home. Uh, he definitely has a very hardline stance that you just have to win all your home games. That's how everything starts. Cannot afford to be losing games in your own building. And I totally agree. And I think that makes sense. Uh, you see a lot of, not not even just basketball teams, but just sports in general. The good teams don't lose at home. You can't go into their place and beat them. Um whether you know the nuggets basketball wise they've been dominant at home the last couple of years and they've been 500 or so on the road and that means that they're top two team in the west Uh, you look back at all the great broncos seasons and again it all starts with just not losing games at home they never lose at mile high and they pull enough wins uh, outside to make the playoffs or if they're good enough to get a bye, whatever. Um, that that dominance as a team in sports typically does start at home. And a, a lot of what Tad had to say today came back to that. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes in. You know, things get weird when you're on the road. Uh, it doesn't make it okay to lose to Oregon State. Uh, a pretty average, I think they're picked seventh in the Pac-12 preseason off the top of my head uh no it's it's a pretty average Pac-12 basketball team on the road if you lose to them it's disappointing for sure it's not a game you should lose but again weird things happen on the road uh to lose them at home just cannot happen uh so so he said you know it was a good weekend for the road teams it's a bad weekend for the home teams uh he doesn't really take it as much of a consolation uh given that is kind of what happened across the board. Um, now the message is we cannot lose again at home. Just cannot lose again at home. Uh, no matter what. You have to win a couple games. You have to make up for that loss on the road as well. But another home loss and they're kind of... They're, they're, they'd be in tough shape. So Lamar Jackson just turned 23 today. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? I had no idea. Uh, Sports Center's on, by the way. Uh, I always keep like a TV on just to make this feel less lonely. Um, I'm 22. I turned 23 in like three weeks. Imagine me being the Super Bowl MVP. Weird. I don't know. Imagine me being the Bachelor. Doesn't seem that weird. Um, okay. 
that's probably pretty much everything I have about Tad. Uh, should note, McKinley Wright was the Pac-12 Player of the Week. Um, good for him. I think it's his second time winning. Uh, played very well in both those basketball games. Uh, lots of assists, lots of rebounds, of enough points, quite a few points against Oregon. Um, so shout out to him for that. Uh, definitely a, a tough award to win in the Pac-12 conference. Um, is there anything else with basketball I want to get to? I don't think so. Um, nope. So so let's uh, let's move along. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our friends at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, we've been telling you about them for months now, and that's because they really are just your best option for local craft beer. Does that count as a craft beer? I think it does. I don't really understand a lot about beer, except some tastes good, some doesn't. And uh, sometimes the beer that tastes good, especially Breckenridge beer, turns out to not be all that expensive either. And that's the range that I'm working within. Uh, so yeah, it started in 1990 in Breckenridge. Of course, that's where it got its name. Uh, so many good beers from the Vanilla Porter, Oatmeal Stout, the the Avalanche Amber Ale is a favorite for sure. Strawberry Sky. So many great options. Um, you can also check out the Breckenridge event calendar on thednvr.com. A lot of cool stuff there, including tomorrow, Wednesday, we are having a uh, a uh, Nuggets watch party. The Nuggets play the Mavericks, and we will all be at the uh, sports column in downtown Denver. So hopefully some of you can come out to that. Uh, typically draw 50 people, sometimes more, uh, depending on the game. I'm not really sure what we're at for this one, but it's going to be a lot of fun. If you RSVP beforehand, you'll be entered to win Nuggets tickets, uh, free shirts from DNVR. Uh, you get a uh, free beer no matter what, even if you don't win. As long as you RSVP, you get a free Breckenridge beer. So there's no reason not to go. There's free beer. Uh, so hopefully I see some of you there. Again, go to the website. There's more details. Um, next up, I want to tell you about Bojo's, which is pretty much the best pizza you're going to find in Colorado. Um it's locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious. You have to check out Bojo's. The Colorado Mountain Pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite Breck Brews, and your favorite sports team playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all your get-togethers, including birthday parties and large business events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations. And, uh, oh, I lost my spot. Oh, and they also have gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they're always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five front range locations. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com. 
and tell them that we sent you. My voice is still not here, by the way. Sorry about that. Um, I do want to make one more note before we go on. And uh, that is that uh, for the national championship game next Monday, we'll be doing a uh, live show, uh, which I'm really excited about. We'll be in our studio. We're trying to get the final crew solidified. Um, It'll be me and Andre Simone, the draft guru at DNVR for sure. And uh, there'll be two more spots, likely Justin Michael from the Rams beat and one of the Broncos guys, whether that's Ryan Konigsberg, Andrew Mason, uh, Zach Stevens. We'll get a crew of four of us. And the idea is basically for maybe half hour, an hour leading up to kickoff, we'll talk you through um, the, the big time matchups, the NFL prospects that you need to keep an eye on. Um, because you know what? You guys are Buffs fans, but as football fans, you guys are probably going to be watching the national championship game. And sometimes, you know, it's going to be fun to watch no matter what. But if you are keying in on a few guys who could be headed to the Broncos or whoever your favorite team is, it's good to know what to watch for. Um, it'll make it more fun if they get picked in April. And then after the game, we're going to come back and recap it. I'll be live streamed on Periscope on Twitter. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We still have a week to come up with a bunch of our ideas, but it's going to be a blast. Also, tomorrow will be the draft podcast, me and Andre Simone. Uh, that will also be live streamed on Periscope. I guess that it's going to be around 11, but there's a lot going on in the studios today, so or tomorrow, so we'll have to see how it goes. Um, is there anything else, any other notes that I need to get to? I don't think so. Um, that's Wednesday, Thursday and Friday will just be standard buffs pods. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about Mikhail Onu next. Um, maybe not for a whole segment. We'll kind of see how it goes, but he had some interesting stuff to say. So Mikhail, you'll remember a grad transfer from SMU and, uh, he had a monster start to the season at safety. Uh, he was forcing turnovers in virtually every game. He had something like six first for forced turnovers in the first five games or something like that. Uh, just insane. Uh, interceptions, forced fumbles, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, he was just everywhere uh, and also served in kind of a leadership role. He told me the story of his broken leg, which he suffered on the Tuesday leading up to the Utah game, which ended the buff season. Um, non-contact injury, just going through seven and seven on seven drills in uh, practice. And he uh, just felt his leg go. He had had some shin splints before. And so that might've been like a stress fracture that was starting to uh, form. Uh, eventually that happens and it actually happened on a play where he picked the ball off in practice. Like he still completed the interception, even though he broke his leg on the play. So he just fell on it weird. Um, actually traveled to Utah and he said that it wasn't, I don't know. He said that it wasn't as bad as he thought it was pretty painful, like trying to get around and like, obviously he's still, sitting on the broken leg. Um, he sits in first class, though, because he's a senior. Uh, so that helped. Um, yeah, he. it was kind of crazy to me because I didn't even think 
when when I had a chance to talk to him in Utah, like, dude, why are you even here? Um, but he said he wanted to be with his team, wanted to like coach him up, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the Monday after the game, so this would have been like six days after the initial injury, he had the surgery and then uh, has been recovering ever since. Here's the current update, the current situation. Basically, uh, he's just started to jog again. He's making good progress. You know, he's happy with where he is. Um, and he's hoping that he can get back to where he was around pro day. That's kind of the goal. Um, so that he can have a chance to make enough noise to get a shot at the NFL. I think he will get a shot. Uh, likely training camp invite. But uh, this really doesn't help. Because I mean, as he was explaining it, you know, he... He wanted to go into the con- or into pro day like a better football player. You know, he wanted a chance to get stronger, get faster, so all of his testing would look a lot better. But uh, he, he kind of lost the opportunity, and now he's just fighting to get back to where he was. Um, and he now has a metal rod going down his shin bone. Um, so that's kind of the update on where um, Mikhail is at this point. But I think probably what pertains best to uh, Buffs fans going forward is what he had to say about the Mel Tucker defense. Um, that's one of the things I was really excited to ask him about because, again, like he's a, he's been in three different defensive schemes in college, and he's kind of seen it all. And also, he doesn't have uh, any reason to be defending this coaching staff anymore you know like he if, if he says it's a terrible scheme and they should never run it again there's no repercussions for him at this point you know he's he's moving on um and and so again that's kind of why I wanted to dig in and we talked about a bunch of things you know him forcing the turnovers early and he said a lot of that was really him being too aggressive trying to make plays because I mean that was kind of the only way that the defense was going to get a stop as if somebody stepped up and made a play and so that meant that he was going to try to crash down on ball carriers as hard as possible maybe miss a tackle or two because of it but get his helmet on the ball and see if he could knock it out deep he'd be trying to jump routes he'd be trying to play the bounces when the ball is tipped instead of maybe playing more sound coverage but he said he wasn't the only one doing that Um, he said that pretty much everybody on the defense was kind of thinking the same thing, where we need to be making plays, otherwise this isn't going to work. And that is the big shift that he says happened uh, partway through the season, kind of, kind of heading into those last few weeks when everybody really realized, you know what, if we each just do our job, then everything's going to be just fine. And it worked. We saw it work. Uh, I think they gave up, was it 27 combined points to Stanford and Washington uh, before going to Utah to end the season? And things didn't go as well there, but you know, you, you, you saw what they're trying to build up in Boulder. And uh, then we dug into the scheme a little bit too. And he said, by far, this was the most difficult to learn of the three systems he's learned. Um, and, and he called it, it's an NFL defense. And he's totally right to call it that. Um, it is that complex. There are that many calls. There are that many on-field shifts that have to be made before every play. It's a, uh, it's intense, and uh, I think that that's something that 
could be concerning. And I pressed him on it. Uh, I said, you know, do you think it's even possible to teach a bunch of college kids how to play an NFL defense? And and he said, of course, like definitely. You see what they're doing in Alabama. You see what they're doing at Ohio State. You see what they're doing all these different places and the success they've had. Georgia, obviously. Um, and Mikhail was very bought in. He, he thought that this was the way to go. Um, it just takes some time to get everybody adjusted and there are those lessons along the way and one of the big lessons was everybody has to be doing their part don't worry about jumping into somebody else's zone because you don't think that they're going to be able to lock down whoever's there because then it leaves something open and all of a sudden you have those busted coverages the big plays that kept happening early in the season um also, I mean, just learning the playbook is a huge, huge part of it. And I think that, that part in particular, like K- Mikhail said that he struggled with it at points. Um, again, maybe not as much as some of the younger guys, but he he wanted to be somebody who could be teaching uh, the rest of the defense what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, he wanted to start all of those conversations. He wanted to be the guy that they could go to. And, you know, he still was. He still was that guy. But he didn't feel like he had enough of a grasp still to be great at filling that role. And and again, that's something that's going to change. All of a sudden, you have Nate Landman back. And we've seen what Nate can do when he... Uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what to say was the shift with him. I would love to hear what he had to say too, especially now that there's some distance between uh, the end of the season and today. But he really looked good those last four games probably of the season. He looked like somebody who could be competing for a butt kiss award, um, a, a guy who could be in you know that all American conversation. Probably a stretch. There, there, there are a lot of guys in the country who could say the same things, um, but. We saw what we expected to see out of Nate Landman, which is a guy who's NFL bound, one of the best in the in the Pac-12 at what he does, and he still he still was first team All Pac-12 defender. Um, it's just that the weaknesses that he showed were broadcast; they were very obvious. Um, you forget about all of the tackles he makes two, three yards down the field, but you remember the the splash plays you remember that he he tr- struggled he didn't get his first tackle for loss until four games into the season I want to say um he he struggled in coverage guys were open across the middle uh, and then late in the season all of that stuff kind of came together he's a guy who in the middle of the defense is going to be a very important piece in terms of taking another step next year being able to teach the rest of the guys who need to be taught still what they're supposed to be doing um and you just need a few of those uh everybody has more experience kj trujillo has more experience um makai blackman chris miller those cornerbacks should pretty much know what they're doing at this point which is incredibly exciting uh safeties again you lose Mikhail Onu. You had Aaron Maddox transfer to Southern Illinois, uh, the FCS school. Um, and those were your two opening day starting safeties. You bring back Darian Rakestraw, who I'm a fan of. I like his athleticism. I think he has some potential. Um, I think with him, a lot of it is um, 
like a lot of these guys, understanding your role, understanding what's expected of you on any given play, and then executing that. Um, and with another, you know, he started, what, seven or eight games this, I think seven games this season. He should be a step closer to uh, being able to do that game in and game out uh, as a senior next year. The other safety spot, kind of up in the air. Um, you know, Isaiah Lewis is a guy who we could see there. Um, and we haven't seen much out of him recently. You know, Trey Udofia could also be there. But both of those guys have had a year of practice in the scheme now. That's so valuable. It's also why going to a bowl game and getting three more weeks of practice could have been very valuable. But you know what? It meant that Colorado's coaching staff had more time on the recruiting trail, and they pulled some big names. Maybe you still get those, and you could get the practice. Maybe not. The way things worked out, the way everything stands now, got to feel pretty good about it. Um, Again, that's just the overarching theme from what Mikhail had to say, is that it just takes some time to learn. Um, And he saw the progress. Uh, And I trust his evaluation more than pretty much anybody at this point. Uh, because he was a part of it. He was in the meeting rooms. Um, he's gone through scheme changes at SMU. Uh, he's, he's had to learn uh, multiple different schemes. And then he got to come in here and see what was going on and see the differences. And uh, also, you know, there's no reason for him to be biased. He has no skin in the game anymore. I don't know. He, he, he had me convinced. And I was... You know, I think I've made most of these points before, but to get somebody to back you up, even when I was really pushing him to say, you know, maybe it is too hard. He doesn't think so. And, uh, you know, across the NFL, you see oftentimes that when you bring in a new defensive coordinator, I think Wade Phillips was like the king of this. Uh, The second year in the scheme is when you make a huge jump. The first year, everybody says, oh, wow defensive head coach really didn't pan out and then boom things turn around you bring in a new defensive coordinator like i thought this guy was supposed to be an all-star maybe we should move on year two boom everything starts clicking everybody knows their roles from day one um you have teachers on the team now uh which is just so valuable i think that there's a good chance that that's what happens next year that these last few games are just kind of going to be a launching point you know we can talk about the personnel changes you get worse at safety you get worse at safety. And I think that that is uh, one piece that maybe we aren't paying enough attention to. Um, You know, there's upside there for sure. We don't know who the second guy is. Maybe they move Mark Perry back there. Maybe one of the freshmen gets a chance to play. Losing the veteran presence, um, it hurts. It's it's going to hurt. Um, The question, I think, is just how long it hurts, whether it takes all season for them to kind of figure out how to play that pairing back there or whether you got to move on to 2021 before you see things pan out. It could be early on, you get an athlete, get protect him a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I do want to point that out, though. I do think you get worse at safety. I also think you get better at cornerback. I think you get better at linebacker. And I think you get a lot better along the defensive line. Um And we've talked about those things before, but I also think year two in this scheme, better watch out. You know, talking talking to Matt McChesney uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, former Buff, former Bronco, played six years in the NFL, I want to say, eight years. Um, 
he he says that he thinks this is going to be the best defense of the Pac-12 next year. Uh, he says he thinks uh, Nate Landman could be on his way to a butt kiss award. Um, maybe a little bit hyperbolic, um, but at the same time, you see the path, which is the most exciting part. It's the same thing with this basketball team, where you could finally see how all of these pieces could work together, and this could be the best basketball team in the Pac-12. The same thing is happening in in this defense. Um, maybe not with the best odds. Maybe there aren't multiple paths, but you could see how, you know, Jason Harris is ready to go day one. Antonio Alfano gets his waiver. You get everybody in the second year in the system, and that actually does have the benefits you expect. Nate Landman's the guy we saw late the season, all season. These young cornerbacks do what they did, and Makai Blackman and Chris Miller are right there with them. There, there is a way for that to happen, and that's really exciting. Um, Mikhail's bought in as well. He, he really does think that they're going to take a, a big, big jump next year. Uh, as you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online, or you can call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. That was a really quick one. Um, well, let's jump into the final segment now. Uh, I, I think we have a comment. I was like going through the website quickly and thought I saw a little notification pop up. Um, while this loads, and it always takes longer to load than you expect, I want to talk about these dumb XFL rules. Not sure if you guys have seen this, but my goodness, is it a mess. Just absurd. Um, there, it's it's hardly even football. There's so many things where you're just like, what are you doing? You know, you know. have you guys ever watched like Canadian football, um, like CFL stuff where they do the, like they only have three downs, there's constant passing there's like all this weird stuff, the running toward the line of scrimmage before the snap, and like they, they make the challenge flags yellow and the penalty flags red, which had to be intentionally just backwards of every other league of football just to confuse everybody who watches. Like it's, it's kind of like nonsense changes like that one. You know, the other stuff they tried is like weird. This isn't really football. But the flag thing is like, huh, are you just intentionally making this strange and that's what the xfl is also doing in a bunch of different ways i to be honest i I think it makes me want to watch the league a lot more just to see what it actually looks like and i hate that because i want to say no you're ruining this sport stop um i don't even know where to start um let's go with the oh they're PAT rules so you know how football works we all know how football works you can kick the extra point sometimes like in the NFL they back you up a little bit which is weird um so you can kick it you get one point you can go for two from the two yard line get two points uh I guess it's not always two sometimes the three yard line but um that is not the case in the XFL you cannot kick an extra point um you have to go for the conversion but you get to pick where you start so if you start at the two yard line then you get one point if you start at the three yard line 
then you get two points. And if you start at the 10-yard line, then you can get three points. Strange. Um, oh, the kickoffs, again, with the thought of making this safer, um, were ruined. Um, so basically what's going to happen is... you. <sighs> This is hard to explain. Um, the The kicker is still going to line up at the same spot, kick the ball from his own 35, but the rest of his kicking team is going to be like 40 yards downfield. They're going to start at the returning, or I guess the the other, I think it's the 30 maybe off the top of my head, and the uh, they're all just going to be lined up in a line at the 30. Then five yards away at the 25, the whole return team is going to line up except for the returner. And then as soon as the returner catches the ball, then everybody can move. It's weird. Um, safer, but weird. Um, punts, touchbacks turned out to be at the 35. If, you know, like the ball goes in the end zone, you kick the ball out of bounds, they get it at the 35 as well. So you can't even like try to kick it out of bounds at the two or something. That goes to the 35. Um, more returns. Also, is that one where somebody can't move or something at some point? I can't remember. There's double forward pass. You, you can throw the ball forward twice as long as it doesn't cross the line of scrimmage before the second pass. <sighs> Overtime is like a shootout. Two-yard line, each team gets five tries, whoever gets the most wins. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's dumb, but most of my takes are kind of like traditionalisty. Um, so maybe I'm weird. Um, also, I forgot to keep loading the comment. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, still got the comment. Uh, from Jace Milkston, um, who's also on <laughs> Twitter, and I don't know how to pronounce this still um but he said you're just feeding the trolls with this one college basketball is college basketball every team went one and one this weekend as you mentioned and there were so many road upsets this weekend and throughout the year a couple in a row yes panic uh, this hurt because of the circumstance but it means so little in the overall scheme also no 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 it wouldn't have been better to lost to oregon feather in the cap and this won't be viewed as a bad loss there will be top 100 yep um or definitely definitely better to beat Oregon, lose to Oregon State than the other way around. Show that ceiling. Show that high ceiling. Show that you can do it. Um, feeding the basketball trolls, eh, I think that might be kind of fair. Um, it definitely sucks. It definitely sucks. They blew an opportunity. Um, I, I think that the expectations really grew after the stretch where you beat Dayton and Oregon. Um, thought that this was a team that, oh, I, I mean, they, they're still Pac-12 title contenders for sure, but, you know, there's still some growing pains. That they, they aren't where they need to be yet. Um, and I thought that, at least I personally thought that after seeing what they did against Dayton, seeing what they did against Oregon, they'd turn that corner. They were just off and running at this point. They'd gotten everything clicking. Wasn't the case. There's still a bunch of road bumps to come, likely. Um, like you said, college basketball is college basketball. Yep, but I thought that that... I, th I thought they had that one. I really thought they had that one. Um, yeah. Uh, every team went 1-1 one one this weekend. Yeah, and I said that earlier in this show, too. Uh, as Tad said, that's 
basically a win for the road teams, a loss for the home teams. Now all these home teams, including Colorado, have to go on the road and and win one more game than they normally would have had to. Uh, definitely possible. Definitely possible. But you gotta you gotta beat Arizona on the road now. Beat <laughs> Oregon on the road. Uh, one of these teams that you probably weren't going to get. Um, you gotta get to to balance all this out. Um, yeah, if they lose a couple in a row, though, this is that's when you get concerned. Um, that's when you start to say, wait, is this team really a contender? Um, it just feels it. This was just rough timing more than anything. Uh, it, it would have been nice for them to turn that into a win streak, get, get through that Oregon state game, get through Utah, be undefeated for a, whatever three weeks stretch, four weeks stretch, whatever that would have been maybe five even uh, that that would have really shown that you're turning a corner um losing this game it, it starts to bring out the questions more than anything uh you you need to see long sustained success at some point um right now if they lose again then all of a sudden where even is this team is are we way off having having a hot start to conference play being able to say, no, look at this. They really are this good. Um, sure, you're going to hit rough patches. You're going to lose a couple games on a weekend. But it would be so much more comfortable to be more confident in this team than I currently am. And I'm still really confident in this team. I still think they have... Uh, I'll say they have as good of odds as anybody to win uh, the Pac-12 this year. Um, I would have said they have the best odds if they beat Oregon State, though. Um, again, like you said, it's the circumstance. Uh, you had that opportunity to dominate the narrative, to to win that game, go beat Utah, uh, and then go into, I think, is Arizona up next? I think that's the Arizona weekend. I don't know if it's Arizona or Arizona State first, but to go into that with some some wind at your sails, with the momentum... With the the narrative in the Pac-12 being, look at this, look at this team. They're they're cleaning up. They're the favorite so far. They're doing everything that's asked of them. And so far, you know, they just aren't doing everything that's asked of them, um, which is too bad. Uh, no reason to panic yet, by any means. Uh, and also, I mean, Utah's a sneaky good basketball team. Uh, they they gave Oregon a run uh, this weekend as well. Would have been really disappointing for Oregon to have dropped that game to Utah and kind of tarnish that that Colorado win over or, over Oregon. Uh, I agree. Like this, this will be. <sighs> This will be one that you want back for sure. Um, when when you get to the end of the season, uh, this is going to be one where you say, "Wow, think of how much differently things could have played out." You know, now they're building off of being number twenty-five in the country. That's a good place to be. I think before the season, if you had said Colorado is going to be ranked twenty-fifth today, eh, I'm. I'm I think I probably would have hoped for a little bit better for sure, but being totally realistic, def I mean, not a bad outcome by any means. Maybe just below what you want. Maybe you want to be more in that 20 range. Uh, 
as as like your your average spot at this point. But again, top twenty five, two months left to keep building on top of this to jump from twenty five to twenty three next week to jump from. I guess if you beat the Arizona schools, you go from 23 to 15, 16, depending on how everything plays out, depending on how the games look. Um, And then just keep building going forward. Sure would have been nice to be building off of being number 17 right now, being number 16 right now. That's just a bump that would have been really huge. And they didn't get it. Um, Obviously. So, again, it's it's about whether you can... Uh, college basketball, it's about the tournaments. And that's something that, I don't know, I, I never have been a fan of. I don't think there's a way to fix it necessarily, but to have this whole long season be decided by individual games. One game, then the next game, you just have to keep winning, and it's about whoever's hot then. It kind of devalues the regular season. Uh and, you know, you could make the argument that football is that way, too. But at the same time, you only play so many games there. And especially in college football, like, you have to win pretty much all of them to get in. I don't I don't know. Uh, when you look at the NBA, the NHL, having the series, the MLB having a series so that it really is the better team that's moving on more often than not, takes a little bit of the drama out, for sure. I mean, we've seen, you know, NBA. It's been LeBron versus the Warriors for how long? shifting but there'll be whatever powerhouses the lakers are probably going to come out of the west the bucks are probably going to come out of the east um but then there you go because the better team wins and maybe that's too far maybe that takes the fun out of sports to some degree but to play whatever 30 games and you know have one loss in the pac-12 tournament mean nope you are not the champion even if you wipe the floor with everybody during the season you're clearly the best team or in the NCAA tournament, same thing can happen. Um, adds drama. That's what makes sports fun. But also, it'd be nice if the better teams had just a tiny bit more of an advantage, I guess. Uh, the point of what I'm trying to say is, though, that's what really matters for Colorado, is what do they look like at the end of the season? Just get hot in the Pac-12 tournament, and you'll be just fine, you know? It would be nice to have better matchups to make that path easier. Get I actually haven't looked at how the Pac-12 tournament's set up. Now that I think of it, I don't know what all the buy situations look like. If they're like double buys. I'll dig into that next because I definitely should know that. And that just has not crossed my mind until right now. See what the format of that is. Um, but yeah, you get hot, you can win. You just have to win whatever, four or five games. Same thing in the NCAA tournament. It'd be nice if you can pull a three seed and then you play the oh, math, uh, 14 seed right away. And then you play the four seed if you win. And then you play the two seed and then the one seed. And, and everything just lines up to make it pretty simple, pretty easy. I mean, maybe not easy, but give you the best shot. Instead of being the eight who has to play the nine, and then play the one in round two and pretty much be guaranteed a loss there. You know, still, you can get hot. If you really are that good and you just had some rough patches that knocked you down to that eight seed, then maybe you can take down Kansas or whoever else ends up being up there at the end of the season. Who even knows at this point? Uh, Better year than ever, honestly, to wind up with a five seed instead of a three seed, to run up with a 
seven seed instead of a five seed. Whatever, whatever we're looking at here at this point, there's still so much time to shake out who the real contenders are. But you know, it's it's not about beating Oregon State on uh, Sunday in January, but. It would have been nice if that team really thought that it was and would have just done it because they'd be in a better spot right now. A little more national attention, more local attention, which is a point that I've hammered home a lot before. This weekend wasn't what matters. What matters is what happens at the end of the season. <sighs> How much fun would it have been, though? How much fun? Uh, yeah. You know, sky isn't falling. They're back to work. They're figuring out whatever they need to figure out. And we'll see how that goes this Sunday uh, when they play Utah. Also, some women's basketball games. I'm not sure what the times. I almost think they might be playing Sunday in Boulder as well. I must be off on something here. That'd be weird, right? Maybe they do that in the Pac-12. I don't know. Uh, they they have a couple fun games. I thought it was USC Friday, UCLA Sunday. Uh, with UCLA being ranked 8th and USC also being very good, but, I mean, not all that great in the Pac-12. If that actually is on Sunday, or no, maybe, no, the Buffs are on the road. I think I said that they were at home also. No, they're they're definitely home, because we were talking about tailgate. Let's see. Yeah, so Colorado's home against Utah at 4 on Sunday. Oh, and Colorado's women's team is home against UCLA at noon on Sunday. So I guess they just go back to back. That's going to be a great day. Um, let's see. What's? I wonder if there's anything fun we could do. I'll be hanging out. They must kick everybody out, make them come back in. They don't probably sell like double header tickets. But I'll be there for the women's game at noon. That'll get over at what, like two, get through media, be done with that by three. And then have an hour before the game. I don't know. Maybe we can hang out or something before the game. If anybody's going, just let me know. I don't need to just sit there on my computer. Um, Doubleheader's weird, though. I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, What a weird little ramble there at the end. Um, But I think it's probably time to head out. Like I said earlier, Draft Pod tomorrow. We'll probably be doing a live show right around 11 and then uh, Thursday, we'll have uh, Buffs Podcast, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm not sure what we'll talk about yet, because there really isn't anything going on between now and then. Um, but I guess Friday, we'll be previewing the games, and then uh, we'll move along to see what happens this weekend. Also, tomorrow night, I want to plug it one more time. Uh, Wednesday night, 5.30 is the start of the watch party. If you can't get there till I don't know. Basketball games are like two and a half hours. I think the game's at six. So I'll be done at 8.30. If you guys want to swing by like 7.45 and catch the last 45 minutes because you're busy, that works too. Point is, we're going to be at uh, the Sports Column in downtown Denver watching the Nuggets play the Mavericks. Uh, like I said, watch party at 5.30. Uh, the game starts at six. It's going to be a lot of fun. Last I saw, I actually did get a message during uh, this podcast is the word uh that we're up like over 60 rsvps for tomorrow which is gonna be a lot of fun and it makes sense because uh honestly our environment to watch nuggets games is more fun than 
pretty much any other. The Pepsi Center has not been super lit for those, which has been kind of disappointing. But uh, a lot of fun. If you RSVP, you can win Nuggets tickets. Uh, your odds are still pretty good. I know that's a lot of people, but still pretty good. Um, also, you can win tickets for, or no, you can win shirts, uh, DNVR swag, and also, no matter what, you get your first beer free if you RSVP. Uh, Breckenridge beers. So, it's free beer. Come hang out. I don't know what else it would take to sell you. Sports call on 530. Hopefully, I see you there. Uh, also, leave comments because I like comments. Um, that that comment today was definitely super valuable. I think it was a good point. I think we were all a little bit low after that Oregon State loss, reasonably, um, myself included. And you know what? It's college basketball. You win some, you lose some. You'd like to be able to lose a game in February instead of losing it now, but that's not how things panned out. Now they got to win one more game down the stretch to do what they could have done. That's a weird way to think of all of this, but uh, I'm actually going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving now. This has been like three minutes of me saying goodbye. Uh, so I'll be back Thursday with the Buffs Pod, tomorrow with the Draft Pod. See you then.
Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 